we are here together as we can be. And we want to be faithful to God in the way that we get to be presented before him. And the beautiful part is we've been going through these sermons where we have been talking about discipleship and what we've been given and what to give. So let's just first give our praise to him. Um, Let's bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that even as we enter into your word, we enter into your presence, that we would come with hearts that are ready to hear, that our hearts that are ready to be students, but ultimately hearts that are willing to see something that's worth being loved by. Lord, I pray for everybody who's here physically right now and everybody who's not physically here right now. I pray that you would take a personal moment right now to touch each person and speak what they need to be touched by during the service. In your name we pray. Amen. So, so, for those of you guys that have a Bible with you, I'm going to hook you up. I'm not going to forget, I promise. Um, go to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 18. That's where we're going right now. I'm not going to read it in an epic voice. That'd be too much for me. I just will slowly switch between different voicings and different personalities as I read. But I want to give honor to the word. So here we go. You guys ready? Everybody there? All right. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord flashed and shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For this day in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord, the Messiah. And this will be a sign for you, by which you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, an angelic army, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying one to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were astounded and wondered at what the shepherds told them. Amen. That's the word of the Lord, y'all. The book of Luke. Okay. Go to the next slide for me, dog. Today we are going to be wrapped around seven points. I want us to keep coming back to these seven points because we've probably all heard the story of the shepherd at some point, I hope. If we haven't, guess what? You're hearing it today. So the reason why I say I hope you heard it was because I just read it and uh, I hope we didn't sleep through it. But the seven points I have 
are we fear God's joyful glory. When we look at what was just told to us, the angels come down. This, first of all, I'm going to hit on this again in a second. But the, the angels show up, right? And the glory shines out. They're afraid. They're not in joy. They are afraid. Then the second point is we don't always understand what is joyful. Joy was presented, but they did not always, just like us, understand. The third point is God informs us what the joy is all about. So it's not like he just leaves us with no idea. He's like, be joyful. No, he sits there and he walks us through. He, he, he has us experience. He talks it to us. But that's all meaningless if we don't get to point four, which it overcomes us. That experience overcomes us. The fifth is it doesn't come to the proud, but it comes to the humble. And the final point is it's not just for us, but it's for everyone. So go ahead and go to the next slide for me, doll. So as I said, those are the points we're going to surround ourselves. So you'll see that structure throughout the word. When I was looking at the story of the shepherd, I really wanted to um, start out with a point of what what it's like in an actual perceivable participant way. And I personally, anybody who knows me knows I love two things. I'm going to use two examples right now. The first one is I love food. I love meat. Oh, man. When God made the cow, he brought forth glory. And when he made a Texan barbecue it, (laughs) woo! I was like, hallelujah. Thank you, Texas. (laughs) You guys did a win. And then when God said that the pig was clean, I was like, praise Jesus. (laughs) But my point is, I've, I've gone off the beaten path enough. See, you've got me talking about me. I want us to think about this really quick. We're sitting here. You look at this picture. First of all, that looks bomb. I'm just going to say that looks bomb. But let's say I went to this place. Anybody who really knows me knows I give mediocre reviews. I'm a really hard reviewer of places. But if I came to Tim right now and I told him, Tim, I went to this place and it was ridiculous. It was good. Yeah. If I started going like this, I started getting hyped. This is the best meat I've ever had. This is the best greens. They were amazing. The vegetables just melted in your mouth. The person was at your your place. He's like, can I give you a napkin? They were like, you're getting some on your clothes. You're getting it. You're getting it up on here. Hey, let me take care of you. And they gave me a free soda. Would you want to go to that place? You would. See, that's how the joy of the Lord is, is the truth is, is that we can look at a picture and have an idea of what's good, but until we really actually get to participate it and we have somebody who has a review and we're overcome by somebody else's joy, sometimes we won't give it a try. The second thing I love, (laughs) 
I love cold brew. I love coffee in general, but cold brew. So for you guys who don't know what cold brew is, cold brew is the, the magnesia, the, the ambrosia of the gods. It is, it is what gets me in up in the morning. But long story short, if I were to tell you that this caramel drizzle goodness was delicious, it might actually not be that appetizing. But you see how excited I am about it. It would still try and win you over. And in that place, you're like, I just, I have to try it. I might hate it, but I'm going to try it. As we look at today, think through those times in your life. Even you guys on Facebook, think through the times that ultimately you wouldn't have given something a try. That you were scared of it. That you weren't sure. But because of the experience of joy, it overcame your fear, it overcame your doubt, so that you could experience something that was far greater than you ever thought would it be. But you wouldn't have been able to do it without the example of what walked you out into it. So, even kind of as a quick review, I want us to think where we've been. If this is a road trip, we want to remember where we've been and where we're going. This is about discipleship and what we've been given. The gospel has been given to us. Jesus has impacted us. He's changing us. The gospel that's been given to us has not just been given to us to be in our brain, but it's given to us to be transformed into the image of it. There's a, the prophets, as we talked about two weeks ago, were like they faithfully walked forward. There's words that are given. God speaks. He's faithful. And as he's faithful, these words are going to play out. And some of them come in different tiers, as we talked about. But ultimately, God is faithful, so it's us participating with God in his faithfulness. The last week, we talked about angels and how they're messengers of truths that are already. And that, that to them, they're just participating with who is truth. And as they impact us, and they, they are announcing messages and they're they're messengers. The real question that, and the lesson we have to learn is how are we participating with truth? And when truth shows up, what is our response? Are we like Mary and we say yes and amen? God, you've given us the position and opportunity to participate with you. Are we more like Zachariah and we're doubtful and God actually has to bring us from our doubt to experience? Or are we like Joseph, and when we finally have it proven to us, we change our ways? I won't name the other person, but we don't want to be like that. So let's start right back at the Savior today. We're going to go back to the story. So as we do that, you can throw the seven points back up. We want to start with this point. I just want us to think about what it was like. These shepherds showing up on the scene, and this the singer just shows up. Angel, bam, lead singer, bam, and then an amazing choir shows up. Best choir you probably ever heard of. There was no announcement, there was no preparation, there was no tickets, there was these people prepared before the Lord. 
And guess whose audience were? It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the kings. But it was sheep and a shepherd. And what was their response? They were bewildered. They were sitting there and they're like, they were like, what's going on? And in that place, as they were bewildered, they were transformed in that moment to participate with something greater than they thought. Because we know that because as they shared later on, it said all who heard them were in wonder and awe of what they had said. So what is it they're in wonder and awe of? Well, it's the good news of glory, right? This joy that comes. But really, even on our points, we're going to start with fear and joy. The place where it starts with a place that this joy shows up, but they're afraid. See, we tell the story like they were in awe and wonder of these angels. Like the glory, they probably remember it as the glorious singing. You know, it's like, hallelujah. But the thing is, is that in reality, we read verse 9 and it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. The truth is, is that the glory of the Lord was all around them. You read in a few other versions, it says that the glory of God engulfed them. So the presence of God is so, like, so present that it is, everything is touched by it. Yet in that moment, they were terrified. They weren't encouraged. They weren't hugged. They weren't jumping for joy. They were afraid. That's the presence of God. How could that be? Well, it had to go to the next step where it it explained. So the angel right away goes and says, you know what? Don't be afraid. You have the wrong. (laughs) I'm not here to destroy you. This isn't something to be terrified of. This change to your reality is not something to be afraid of. And he even clarifies that this beautiful image that they're actually getting to participate with is the glory of God. It's not something to make them cower. It's not something to make them feel like they're going to be broken. But it's supposed to be something that enduringly grabs a hold of them and shows them something they don't understand. The angels in verse 10 say, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in this city a David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So we have to see that this joy is being presented to them at this point. They're being informed of what it is to be joyful about. So first it starts off, they're afraid. Then it goes that the joy is going to be, well, they don't understand what is to be joyful about because they're afraid of it. It's outside of what they were expecting. They were shepherds in a field at night, and these angels that they had not known were going to show up, shows up, and boom, they're impacted. And then third, it says, you know what? The good news has come. 
I'm here to make a declaration that God designed this moment. That he waited in the Messiah you've been waiting for, the sign of David, the words fulfilled, the long-awaited hope of Israel, the Christ, the anointed one, has come. There is no news that they waited for more than for God to say, I'm here. And it wasn't just that that he was saying that he was coming. He was like, I'm here to save. That was everything they had waited for. They were looking unto the day when their Savior, when their God, would come back for his people and exodus them out of their slavery. So joy had come, and they had to have it explained to them. As we talk about, it says Christ has come. That it's Lord, and we could talk about all these, these ideas that a lot of us know. Like it says here that it's the announcement, it's God, that he is within deity, and he is one with God. But really the point to point out here is that this proves that he does not come to the proud, but he comes to the humble. Even in the very way the first person he presents himself to, the first group that actually knows him, is not the Pharisees, is not the kings, is not the people who know the scripture the best. It's not even the people who are studying their stars the whole life, waiting for Jesus. But it was the shepherds who ultimately had only one job that they were worried about, and they were the lowest class people that God chose to show up to. And not only did he choose to show up in this way, but he showed up exactly against the world's terms. He showed up against the ideals and the popular expectation at the time in his own mysterious way said in 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. In this place, he chose to show up to the lowest class, not holy, not sitting here set before God. He chose to present himself to just these guys who were probably wild and dirty, taking care of sheep in a field to present the Holy One that everybody had waited for their whole entire lives for generations. And as he did that, he didn't just show up to them that way, but he brought their Savior forth in a way that specifically was unique to them. It wasn't that he showed up like Elijah calling down flames. He didn't show up on a mighty steed as they expected as a lion. He was a baby wrapped up in a manger. Not a castle, not a holy place, not a temple. But he was brought into this world as a weak, fragile thing that could be broken. Once again, breaking our expectation and showing us that this good news was not going to come into a way we understand. It's not going to come in the places that we are already expectant of what we're going to receive. But it's going to show up in ways 
that force us to change our expectation of God and what he's here to produce. See, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I just find this so unusual that God himself would present himself as something so fragile in such a place of such desertion where he is deserted, he's hidden, and he's in a place that is such a low place. For God to bring himself down to that, has to, we have to ask the question of why. Why would in the middle of the place that we are already presented this idea that God is all-powerful, God is great, he's going to come with power, even the very way he presents himself shows us he has a message that's not based off how great we are or how perfect we want to be, but is based off of how much he wants to be in action for us. That he will take our weakest place, our fragile place, and he will raise us up to be with him. See, the glory to God that we see here is we see that, that, that once again, that these angels show up. First of all, a multitude's a lot. But this choir starts singing, glory to God, glory to God on high. Right? This is the moment it starts overwhelming these shepherds. We don't see them fear melt away until the moment after they sing. So in this moment, let's just place it back out. Shepherds out in the field doing their job. Probably that they've done a grip of time. So like, doom, 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 doom. And then, boom, angels. <laughs> and they're terrified. And they're like, what the heck is happening? And they start singing. Well, at first they tell them this message. And they're like, I don't know how to take this. This is joyful. The Christ is coming. And then they start singing with such joy. The joy overwhelms the angels so much that they enter into song and worship, which especially we don't get, but in Jewish culture was a big thing. They sang about everything. I wish I was like that, you know, it's like, Cobra. I'm just joking. <laughs> just play with y'all. But, uh, but in reality, they sing and it overwhelms them. In that moment, when they actually get to participate with that joy, like when I was talking about that food, it get overwhelms us to participate. That's the place that we get to see that this beautiful experience is not about the worth and merit of the shepherds, but it's about the glory that awaits and that they're getting to be engulfed by. It was not about their strength and character, but it was actually about the goodness of God to enact the promises that he had had. And ultimately, it's not about mankind and how great and wonderful and valued we are. But it's how good and caring that God is. That this gospel is not for one person who's great. But it's for all people who ultimately God chose to save. See, it said that God was pleased by faith. Not by intelligence and works. Yes. See, this declaration of this glory to them was a presentation of a great God to trust in. It wasn't an education of how to be great themselves. 
See, this is to the real glory of God, not to the glory of man. He presents himself in a way that challenges us into the unknown, not into the comfortable. He's the initiator and actor. And as he is the one who was promised, he is the savior, right? He's showing up centuries of waiting. How long have we waited for a savior? They waited for generations. It wasn't their very fabric, but we get to participate. And he sends it to the humble shepherds. The ones who acknowledge already that they're lowly. And it's the goodness of God on display that he chose poor, uneducated people and show them the most glory that any person probably other than maybe Moses saw up to that point. We don't see another parallel to this before that other than Moses that the glory of God engulfed them. See, it says glory to God on the highest, but he showed up on the lowest to present himself on the highest. That means none of us are left. See, we move to this place where it, it's calling them to something. They're overwhelmed. They're impacted. Then this moment, they're like, this is crazy. This is awesome. And then they turned and they're like, we need to come and adore him. I need to see this for myself. This joy, this power, this thing. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know it's flesh and blood. I don't know what it means, but I need to go see it. Cause I know what I just experienced was more than I ever expected. And I didn't see it coming. So let me go participate with it. And the weight and magnitude of it all, just, they had to go. And so they go to Mary and Joseph, and they're, they, they go to the step here. They're called to participate. So they travel to see Mary and Joseph. And they tell them everything that they've seen. Right? And what was Mary was like, heck yeah, bro, it's testifying. It's like, I'm not tripping, I'm not crazy. But their hearts had the right instinct in this moment. They participated with that joy. And ultimately, their mind-blowing experience of God testified one thing that would have broken their culture, that this God was not just a God of law and action, but a God of mercy and grace. That in that moment, they had expected your behaviors are paid for with justice. And the God who's coming is for people for justice. But the way he chose to show up testified of a Christ who is coming for mercy and grace. Because he came to people who are broken and low to show himself. And as they were called to participate, they realized it wasn't just for them, it was for everybody. Because as you look at verse 20, it says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it been told to them. And what was everybody's response? Awe and wonder of what they heard. So we just heard the whole telling within that structure, right? As we look at that, can we see where this applies to us, these seven steps? The truth is, is when God shows up 
And he shows up to all of us in all of our walks. We might not see it. We might not understand it. We might not even know where it is. And if you don't know where it is, anybody on Facebook or YouTube or here, we are here to help you see it because that's what discipleship does. That's what this relationship of community does. It helps us walk the bridge. We become a bridge and a hand to help people across. And the truth is, is this interaction shows up. And almost always our response to change is fear. Our response to God's glory and goodness is fear. We see that every time in the Bible that that's their response. And the truth is, is I would tell you and all the people I've discipled, we candy cane it up. And the truth is, is when in worship, when we experience God, that's great. It does come in joy. It comes with happiness. It's impact. But I would tell you, walking out the life, representing Christ where he's calling us to die daily, to bear up our cross, the truth is, is when his glory shows up, what calls us to death is actually not rebuke. The rebuke actually comes from how good he is. And so when his goodness shows up, we're actually scared of it because it shows how not good we are. And the truth is, is when these things happen that we don't understand, they all of a sudden jump in and we're afraid because the truth is, is that we have been impacted and made a life out of fear. And we have excuses. And as soon as that goodness and joy shows up, it's revealed for just what it is. And the truth is, is that all of us in that process as God is trying to bring us into the unknown we will have a phase of fear. But is that going to make your decision? Well, it doesn't make the decision for God. Because ultimately, the place that God always recognizes is that we're not going to always understand what the best thing is. We're not going to always understand what God's will is. We're not going to always understand, truthfully, what joy actually is. Joy is not compromise. And it definitely isn't comfort. But joy always participates with peace. And the truth is, is that as God shows up on the scene, your understanding and your wisdom doesn't always play a place in it. So don't let your fear and your understanding be the thing that steals your joy from you. Because the promise I can tell you we see over and over again in the word is the third thing that God always presents to us is he will inform us. He will guide us. He will walk out a path that informs us what makes him joyful. Not what makes us joyful, what makes him joyful. And it says, those who love the Lord, their will will be satisfied. Or they can be given what they were, they ask, right? It's like the, you know, the charismatic church, it always, they quote that a grip. I know anybody who's watching part of my status that's charismatic, they might not like this next statement, is the thing that you ask for, if you love God with all your heart and you're seeking his way, is him. It's not riches, it's not prosperity, it's not health. So in that place... When he shows us what he's joyful about, as our heart starts to seek it, it stops seeking what we're joyful and happy about and starts seeking what he's joyful about. So then as we're seeking him, we're being fulfilled by him. 
So as he informs us, he's showing us actually the way we're about to go. And so he's informing us to a a reality that's already present that we're just not accepting yet. And as we see that he's doing this, he informs us this is the part where pride or softness comes in. Is is that we're going to let it overcome us or we will let it go. Because the only way that it will mean anything and transform you is if you let it overcome you. Because that joy means so much to God. And if God's presenting himself and God chooses in all his power and all his might and all his goodness to show up to you in the middle of your field, in the middle of the place you've been comfortable in the middle of the place you know well, in the middle of the place that you have set expectations, shows himself, you might be afraid in the middle of your comfortable. But the truth is, is that as he starts telling you a way that is better, that is more free, that has actually been what you've waited your life to be fulfilled by, let yourself be overcome with the hope that's been waiting there for a long time. Don't be afraid of the failure. Because ultimately, why is it that he's coming in our comfortable? Because the truth is, is he doesn't give a dang about the places that you think you're competent. He doesn't care about where you think you're smart. It's already proven he's coming to show you you need him, not that he needs you. It's his fulfillment, his way. So guess what? All of us who say, you know what? I don't got it for you, God. I don't know if I can fulfill your word. I don't know if I can do it. Well, the thing is, is he's trying to talk it out with you and tell you what's already true. He's going to walk you through because he's the one who activates the word. He's the one who walks it out. He's the one who's going to carry you. He's just asking you to be overcome and go see for yourself that a word's already true. See, the thing is, those who are proud just won't receive. It's not that it isn't presented. It's not that it isn't there. It's that they'll be the last one to come to the truth that they actually needed God all along. See, we are constantly at a place that our Christ came to show us that he comes to the broken, to the weak, and those who need to be cared for, not those who are perfect. Because he was showing us a place where he wants to care for us. He wants to raise us up. And ultimately, he wants to be the one to be our everything. Because ultimately, as he comes to us in our humble place and we're participating, the real question comes, do you want to keep it? Do you want this not to just be another fleeting moment? Another experience that passes outside into our history books? Well, the only way to do that is actually to participate And not allow this to just be another lesson, but for this to become your reality. If you want this, you got to participate with it. And see, the truth is, is they were shown in this moment, your king, your savior, your hope has come. And as this, this reality impacts them, this reality they're being informed about hits them, we got to go and see. We have to go see. In those moments, in those places that 
These things are coming to life for you. He's speaking. He's saying that there's a reality. There's more that his love is actually here to love you. And that he actually has an idea of freedom that has been stored up for you. He has an inheritance of himself to participate with you. And the world is waiting for the things that are stored in you. It just means that you actually have to come participate with the reality that's already true. Because ultimately, God doesn't do things just for us. The truth is, is that people are waiting for the transformation that's stored up in you. And not because it's unselfish. I mean, the truth is, is we are all selfish. But the reality is there's no more testimony than a person I can grab a hold of that has the reality they've been touched and transformed. As I said, it takes one great review to give us a try. And the truth is, is the joy that God pours out on each of us as he guides us through our own fear and our own understanding soon becomes the hope to another individual to do the same. Why don't you come up and do this last song, my brother? I want you guys to go ahead and join me in prayer. As we just think about for ourselves, where is it that our joy, our God, is presenting himself? Lord, I just pray that for each person who's watching this video, who's here right now, they would wait on the Lord. They would wait to hear him. They would wait to be touched by him in this moment, Lord. Even as we go into this last song. And we think about just how good you are, how great you are. Lord, I pray that you would reveal where we're afraid and you're actually leading us. Where we don't understand and we're not sure if we can let go of our comfort yet, Lord. I pray that you would reveal it to us and you would say, that's where I want you. Lord, I pray that we could no longer be sedate, holding back what you've given to us that the world is waiting for. Lord, I pray that us as a people could cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God's glory. Lord, I pray that we would look forward knowing that we're in a time of fulfillment and a time of promise. Knowing that our Savior and there's things that we're being saved from that we have been saved also. Lord, I pray that all of us where we don't know what our hope is doing, we don't know how to hope, Lord. I pray that you would raise up hope in us to say that this place is what I'm excited for. This is what I believe. And it's an already truth. Will you just take the the steps to see it? Lord, I pray all these things in your name. Amen.